Hello and welcome to The Shore, a meeting place for people in film. I'm Dominique Anderson. Each episode, I sit down with women working across film and television to discuss their careers, their industry advice, and what they want for the next generation of women in film. Today I'm joined by Alicia K. Harris. Alicia is an award-winning director dedicated to celebrating the black experience. Alicia's credits include short films, music videos, and episodic television, such as Amelia Parker, Love Scarborough, and Black Life Untold Stories. Alicia's short film Pick won her Canadian Screen Award in 2020 for Best Live Action Drama, and in 2023, Alicia was a nominee for a Canadian Screen Award for Best Direction in a Web Series for Lido TV. Let's dive in. Why film and TV for you? Initially, I was really into um, music, and I think because I just idolized musicians so much, it just like didn't seem like a job yeah. <laughs> possibility. So eventually, I was like, okay, like maybe if I went into movies, I could like have really great playlists <laughs> in the movies. <laughs> I could like make music movies, and yeah. so that was kind of like the reasoning. And then when I was in high school, I got the chance to direct. The first real thing that I directed was like this big play that me and my sister co-directed actually that was like basically the play we were in like I don't know grade 11 or 12 and the play was like to show the grade nines like the dangers of high school. (laughs) Um, So yeah I mean I think that we did a good job. It yeah. was very much like a Degrassi episode. It felt like that kind of vibe, like, oh, yeah. maybe go to a party, make sure this and that, and bullying, and like, yeah. whatever. Which, which generation of Degrassi are are you? Am like, I? Like, oh, I absolutely because. I'm the Drake generation. You're the Drake generation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are I, you not the Drake generation? I'm not. Strangely enough, Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High aired on Australian TV. Why? Who could possibly because say? Because it was iconic. Because it was iconic. <laughs> but I watched that. But when I went to college, when I came to Can- when I lived in Canada at first, when I came to college, and people talked about Degrassi, I thought everyone was talking about like the old Degrassi. I didn't even know there was new Degrassi, and that like blew my mind. And now I realize that when everyone talks about Degrassi, they're mostly talking. They're mostly on the Drake generation. Yeah, but I'm before and I guess that, that one's so the Degrassi, weird. the next generation. I guess that is the name of it officially. Yeah. So, okay, great. I leave you to Degrassi. So yeah, you did a Degrassi, did a Degrassi play? style play. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was just like the first, because like me and my sister had also made like little sketch videos and stuff where it was like just the two of us and like digital camera and, you know, we recorded that. But this was like a production, mm-hmm. you know, like we were in, char- we wrote it. We were in charge of like telling everybody what to do, designing the light. Like, you know, it just felt like, oh, this is what it's like to be a director. Like we had the all these ideas we talked about them and now look they're they've actually happened mm-hmm. um so i would really like attribute high school plays including drama class um and that degrassi play <laughs> as like my okay i think that i'm like a good leader and like have creative sensibilities so like i should go into this i would say when i went into film school i didn't really have like a mission necessarily i would say now it's a big conversation to talk about representation, but that wasn't really a conversation at the time, which like feels so weird to like look back on because it wasn't that long ago. But I was just kind of there making, I would say, things that I, I would say I was there like writing stories I'd already seen that I'd kind of like internalize these narratives. Like, oh, if you're going to write a comedy, it should be like 
a silly white guy or like you know mm-hmm. I think I'd really abs- not I think I absorbed all of these all this material I had grown up with and you know I was like into like 80s coming of age stories and I was like oh it's got to be these like three silly guys and it wasn't until I went to this woman in film panel that was hosted by Karen Harnish this very successful producer that I was like I oh like I didn't realize there was like a major issue here and that there was going to be like a major barrier and you know looking into at the time like the percentages like only 15% of directors were women I just started to like arm myself with information at that point and then started to analyze wait a minute all of my favorite movies are this especially the comedies I'd seen even what I'd been shown in film school like it was all like the classics you know Mm -hmm. like majority like these kind of like old white male directors and being kind of taught by old white male teachers as well yeah so then I was like oh wow like this had been so normalized to me that I wasn't even like questioning it or like noticing Mm -hmm. anymore so at that point I noticed and I was like okay (laughs) yeah um you know I don't I can't even believe that I'm writing these like stories that aren't even about me I'm writing about characters I've seen on tv that I've just been like proven to be the funny people or the this or whatever yeah yeah and so then I like shifted my perspective and I started writing more personal stories so now why film and tv (laughs) (laughs) I am really just trying to tell the stories that I wish I had seen growing up especially so a lot of my work is like coming of age stories and it is specifically stories about black women you know, filling in the gap of like the black girl coming of age stories, because Mm -hmm. even when I look at what's out there, I'm like, this is still not enough. (laughs) And those formative years, like you are really experiencing all these things and like feeling alone and feeling confused. And honestly, like turning on a TV and like seeing a character go through something very specific that you can relate to really does a lot. Yeah. I'm always awed by people who do coming of age stories because I I can't I don't think I could relive it (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe I'm too scarred how did you move into the industry from film school you know it's kind of a long journey to become like a paid director Mm -hmm. so I maybe after a couple years I don't even remember the timeline now but basically I made this short film called pick and that ended up being like the thing, the the big thing that I needed <laughs> to like whatever get yeah. to the next step. Um, because it played a lot of film festivals and mm-hmm. won a Canadian Screen Award. Um and I think a part of it also was that we did this giant crowdfunding campaign. So even before the film was made, there was just so many people supporting it. Mm-hmm. And um I think that was like very important for me at the time because the film was a very personal story and it was about a black girl who wears her afro to school on picture day and then just all the bullshit that she has to deal with basically Mm -hmm. um so that was really me going back to my childhood being like wow like you know (sighs) these little black girls don't deserve to like have their hair be like the focus of every conversation and there was all these like stories about girls being sent home from school for like wearing natural hairstyles and Mm -hmm. that was really the inspiration for me was like how could we be telling young black girls that their hair is not professional you know like what kind of message is that sending to such a young child who's still forming their idea of Mm themselves and their idea of their own beauty because that was very much how I felt as a child I didn't feel like my natural hair was beautiful as it was so I made this film and a lot of people supported it and a lot of people knew about it and then when it came out and was like did well 
that really got me to like the next level and I don't want to say like that film led me to directing TV because it wasn't really quite that it was like then I like shadowed people and then Mm -hmm. but having good films is still what it always like or having good work is what it always comes back to I would say in getting a job yeah um and yeah certain people saw that film like for example Anthony Farrell he's a showrunner and a writer very successful um he just randomly like twitter dm'd me and i was like oh my god like oh cool like anthony farrell like cool cool that he like messaged me and then like a few months later he hired me on my first tv show job which was the show amelia parker but he was like you know someone who saw my short and like yeah. liked it and mm-hmm. then when it came to like this show like thought of me and took a chance and hired me to do my first show so Thanks, Anthony. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that was kind of like the journey basically into becoming like a TV director. I mean, it is definitely still like, um, it still feels like I'm on the journey. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the journey is life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that discrimination, gender discrimination, racial discrimination are still like prevalent issues in the industry? I know that maybe sounds like a yeah. stupid question. No, no, but, but it I needs ask to be answered. Be, yeah, well, I think also just people sometimes are like, I think people still make these proclamations about like things being solved, mm-hmm. or like there's enough, like or we've solved that like enough. Yeah, for sure. Well, is it still an issue? One hundred percent. Yeah, I just even just me looking back on film school, like when I was in school, it wasn't even a conversation. Yeah. So I think that sometimes people confuse conversations with like real change you know Mm -hmm. just because people are talking about for example like hashtag oscar so white or you know talking about this black director got snubbed from this award or you know those are very visible things um or like for example taraji b henson right now black actress saying i had to like fight to get paid a good amount on the color purple these are like conversations happening but just because conversations are happening and hashtags are being started, that doesn't necessarily mean that like real change is happening. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean unless until we see the actual numbers of like people employed being changed, the actual numbers of like stories being produced that have like, like for example, the Porter being the first show ever in Canada that has like, pr- like a majority or maybe it was an all black, like, um, creating team Mm -hmm. it's like that was last year (laughs) yeah so yeah I as a black woman in in the industry I would say what I experienced the most is like even when I'm hired to do the job is just like a lack of respect Mm -hmm. and I don't see I expect I expect anything that I do in someone who's done multiple jobs in my life that, yes, if I show up, um, I'm going to have to prove myself. But I just notice in comparison to looking at, you know, the white men on set, I notice that they're being given an automatic respect. Mm -hmm. And for me, it feels like it's being assumed I, like, won't know (laughs) what I'm doing. Yeah. um, Or won't do a good job. And, you know, another thing is, like, I'll I'll never know the jobs I didn't get because somebody was, like, assuming a bias about me that was something that, like, 
you know, there's, mm-hmm. I think people more than anything still have an, um, an unconscious bias, especially in Canada. Maybe we're, we don't feel that we're openly discriminatory and they'll come up with a mandate of like, oh, we're going to hire 50, 40%, 50% women directors are like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, but I would say when it comes to like actual treatment, I really think certain people aren't realizing the bias that they have towards a young black woman and will treat me a certain way. And then I'll be like, uh, this, you know, you're being a little bit condescending and then they'll be like, oh, what? Because they're just kind of so used to like acting a certain way towards Mm -hmm. people. So, you know, I would say that it's a hundred percent still a problem. And I would, I will definitely big ups, the Canadian industry because I do see certain changes at least of the shows that are being made mm-hmm. I see more shows that I actually want to watch I see more shows that are a little bit more reflective of like um a black perspective a millennial perspective like a women's a woman's perspective whereas I think when we were growing up as we said we had Degrassi mm-hmm. and um I don't know what they had in Australia, but we had Degrassi. Like, that was what we had. We had, we had neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, we had a couple other shows, but, like, I I was watching American TV, as, like, most people were. Yeah. Now, I will definitely say, like, I am watching Canadian TV, and I'm, like, impressed by the changes. I do think that there's still a lot of, like, risk-averse thinking in the industry unfortunately Mm -hmm. and so much of that for me as specifically I would say a young person a lot of the times I feel like I'm not getting hired because I'm young as well and it's just it's just rough yeah it's rough um but I'm not backing down (laughs) and um yeah I just think that the main thing that needs to change is like more people be it women people of color like need to be in positions of power because the people who have gotten me, who have given me opportunities have actually been other women and other people of color. Mm -hmm. And I do just think there's a little bit more of an awareness and a little bit more of a belief because we know that we've actually had to work 10 times as hard. Those people assume I'm going to show up prepared and like work hard. And if there's anything I don't know, I'm going to like research and and do all these things because they've had to do all of that and they've Mm -hmm. had to jump through those hurdles to get to their high position. And I find that that's not always the case with like people who are in the hiring positions. And um, even though I would say like I have experience, I think that there's maybe still like an eyebrow being raised if I'm like qualified. Yeah. 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 So is there a problem still? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I can understand that. I got the, definitely also the young woman thing. I feel like Mm -hmm. I had that a lot, especially when I started art directing. You made me think of, you know, I worked on this show, Redacted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, it had a more diverse directorial stuff and other shows that I had been on, you know, they were like, they were trying, you know, which was great and trying to really give people opportunities. But the people right at the top were still all those same people. And I watched those directors just like really get railroaded a lot, like Mm. really like a lot more. I was like, oh, they're really being like, 
told like more like how they should set up their shot like really like having a lot of things like explained to the yeah like mm -hmm. you know like a lot more like the producers talking about shot lists and like things like you know all, like oh no 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 yeah no. like and i remember at the time thinking that it was interesting derogatory mm. it's like oh i feel like we're only really tackling half the problem totally yeah like yeah. it's really great that the that like you know you're trying to like open up the room but then you're just like we're all, we're all just still getting, well, yeah, we're all just still getting, like, railroaded by these these three people. And then it's like, what does it fucking matter? Like, not that it, and not that it shouldn't, not that they shouldn't do that. It does matter. Yeah. Um, Definitely the, but, money, the money matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and people, and, like, a not perfect opportunity doesn't mean that people shouldn't have that opportunity. Like, totally. it's not like that yeah. failed, we shouldn't do it, which I think is, like, an area actually the industry's like really like dangerously in right now like you know people are like oh i don't know if it's working so let's just like backslide into the absolute like the worst you know it's like yeah yeah which yeah, is obviously not so not the way frustrating but. well i kind of also agree with what you brought up before of like people being like we solved it and i do kind of think well i i think that canada always has like a problem with like acknowledging there's problems, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, we're not America. And, you know, so to me, that kind of relates to especially like racism. Like, oh, well, we didn't have Trump. So like we don't have racism, which is like obviously not true. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to the industry, it's like I think that, you know, so many people are maybe distracted by like the bigger problems of Hollywood. But we actually being in the industry in Canada, like we can see what maybe should change. And there's not. I would say definitely there was some now exposés <laughs> and like, <laughs> and maybe a couple Global Mail articles. So like people were talking about this, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't, I don't know that I've seen anything like super recently and I don't know if it's the same, if we're having the same conversation. But I would say in terms of like me getting hired for jobs, uh, I don't know. I don't know if people still have the same like, um, accountability that they felt that they had before mm -hmm. um because I feel that I've definitely like been passed on certain things where I'm like I think I was qualified to do this job but I wonder like why I didn't get the job and like I'll never know but um sometimes you can just kind of like a certain when you've been in this body your whole life yeah. you can kind of feel a certain type of way that you're being yeah. interpreted mm -hmm. um yeah, it's a yeah. good question to have, I think, specifically because I would say it feels like the conversation is not really happening anymore. And there was a time where it was. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Um, this is like a really simple <laughs> logistical advice that like it was more of a like a prophecy than it was advice. And I was like graduated from film school and it had been a year and you know you graduate and there's like no blueprint and I just was like oh my god like there's no what am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing and I just had a producer Karen Harnish say to me like it's gonna take you five years to to get to where you're trying to get to and that was like so hard to hear <laughs> <laughs> but it just gave me perspective and yeah. it gave me like, and she, I was looking at someone who was successful, who had successful features at this point. And like, she said, you know, I did all these little things along the way that I just didn't, oh, I didn't think that was going to matter or that. And then it all added up. And that's why, like, when I 
talk about what I did to get to where I am. I could never just point to one thing because it was like all those things. It was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I met this person and that talked to me that sent my film to this person. And that was because of that mentorship program. And then I shadowed this director and then they also brought like it. It was so many things. So I think by the time I actually got my first TV job, I think it was four and a half years. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I did beat the prophecy. But I always tell directors that now um, because it might not be true for everybody, but I do think that like it gives you perspective that you're not behind. And look, even if you spend five years and it's you still haven't got there, it's like, I'm sure you'll be able to look at the milestones that you've already like made since that time. Um, and then the other piece of advice that she gave me, which again was like the best piece of advice I could have gotten at that time was just to like make movies. And that seems really simple, but as someone who had like come out of school and kind of you're in the mentality of like, oh, I should do unpaid internships and you know, I got to work for a production company I got to be a PA and then work my way up. I was like, I'm not going to invest <laughs> my time and energy yeah. into doing that. And what I decided was like, if I'm going to be in film, I don't think I want to invest in someone else's company. I'd rather work a retail job I don't care about and then try to just make another film. Mm-hmm. And again, that is just like my path and my choice. But it was really helpful for me because like I was saying before, no matter who you meet, if you don't have any good work to back it up with, to me, it doesn't really feel like it means anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, I'm a great director and like, oh, I met this like great connection and like maybe they'll hire me for something. But like if you don't have like a great film, films are memorable. Like maybe yeah. they're sometimes even more memorable than you. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I just always want to have good work to back it up. You yeah. know, like, and I want to keep making good work and be like, not even be referring to the same work anymore being like oh actually now I have this new great thing that I did Mm -hmm. and yeah especially when you're fresh out of school or if you didn't go to school like ultimately having like a good piece of work that you're proud of that hopefully gets recognized in the industry is kind of pretty important (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's pretty important what do you wish you'd known before you started working film and tv I mean, this this might be, like, a little bit sad, but, like, I think just accepting that, yeah. again, this is going to sound bad, but, like, it feels like somewhat of, like, a, especially as a woman, like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, I've definitely been on sets where I'm, like, overly nice and, like, you know, you really go out of your way to be, like, so nice. i got to be likable. You're, like, you're, you're a woman that's a leader. And then I just kind of noticed whether you do that or not, <laughs> there's going to be, like... Um, people that like you and respect you and then there's still be people that won't and so I think I've just stopped overthinking that idea of like being likable mm-hmm. and just kind of accepting that like you know that's not to say I'm like showing up and like being mean but people's threshold for what mean is I think like especially when you're a black woman like I'll just be speaking normally and there'll be so much interpretation that's like mis misinterpretation. Yeah. So I think at this point I've just kind of recognized like I'm just going to do my best and be myself and I'm not going to like overanalyze this concept of like I have to be so perfectly nice and like this and that and like I just don't see other people working like that and it's so much additional pressure that I'm putting on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
again, even though that is a little bit sad, I do feel like a little bit more free kind of like just keeping that in mind. Like I'm just going to be myself. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it deeply as someone who always tried to be very, very liked and then just yeah, came up against people that just like, didn't like me. And it was like, oh, that's definitely inherently a part yeah. of being a woman for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And also, as a woman, people like you more when you have less power. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's some work that you've done that you're particularly proud of? I mean, I'm kind of pretty proud of, like, all of my work for different reasons. Maybe I'll have to say a couple projects, but I will say, like, the project I was talking about, Pick... And I'm probably the most proud of it because it did, like, exactly what I wanted it to do, which was, like, not only did it play in film festivals and, like, all that stuff, but, like, I went through my own journey of, like, really discovering, I mean, kind of basically the film was, like, therapeutic for myself because I was, like, going through this whole past history of, like, wanting to straighten my hair and like not wanting to have an afro and then I cast this young actress and she had an afro and I was like oh my god like the kids don't have the same insecurity or like you know she's brave enough well why aren't I doing it and it so not only did it like inspire me to like at the time cut off all my hair like start growing an afro again now it's like you know I've done like so many school workshops like there's a workshop developed that's like being used in the the Peel school board and people, I don't know. It's like still kind of the thing that people know. Um, And even though I don't really actively think about it as much because like the chapters closed, I did recently show it in a small room um, at this like writing workshop that I taught. And it was only to like seven people. And this one woman was like crying after the film was done. And I was like, I've screened this film in a movie theater so many times. So, like, people had cried I never would have seen, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, the fact that the movie's now four years old and I was, like, sitting in this space and it was, like, the first time I'd ever seen anyone, like, cry, like, as a result of the movie. Like, it was very, like, it was just kind of a reminder that, wow, like, you could tell a story that you think is so personal to you. You could suffer throughout the whole process of making it and, like, really be convincing yourself every step of the way, is this a worthy story to tell? Then go through the whole production and making it and then just have a moment where you're like, wow, like it was just a reminder that all of that stuff is just one part. And then the fact that it could resonate with someone so deeply Mm -hmm. um, is just really meaningful. And sometimes like as a, a lot of the times as a filmmaker, like you don't really get that result, you know, like you're not always a part of people's experience of watching it. Mm-hmm. And so it just was like, I think after a very rough year of this strike year, um, it was just like a really beautiful reminder that people can be moved by something that came out of my brain. And she talked about, it really resonated with her because she has a daughter and like, it's about this young girl in school. And she's like, the kids at school are so terrible and whatever. And I'm like, it just made me think like, that's exactly where I made this movie. I wanted it to be shown in school. I wanted it to like create more of a sensitivity around like black girls. And I wanted it to be a conversation starter starter about microaggressions and racism and hair and, and our external appearances and people commenting on that. Um, So as much as I love all of my other work, this is the only piece that I could say all of these things about, you know what I mean? Um, And I I think I still really look at it as like, 
yeah, a film that even before it had come out, it just did so much for me personally. Yeah. And it was just with me for so long. So it'll kind of always be like a part of my backstory in that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How long did it take you to make it? Or like for when you started? No, I'm always curious because (laughs) I know that it's usually a really long time. Yeah, I mean, they don't always take this long, but like it probably took maybe two years and but it just kept getting delayed and then one of the major delays was I was like I really need to like take a step back from this movie because all of a sudden I was talking about something I'd like never talked about my whole life and here I was at like 24 being like I'm making a movie about this and it's this part of my childhood and I was like whoa 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 like Mm -hmm. I don't think I even healed any of this and I'm just like for the sake of my movie I'm just like doing this so I kind of needed to take a step back from it so there was maybe like six months in between where like nothing was really happening with the movie. Um, but yeah, it was a really long time, but I'm very pro like you'll never regret taking more time making something, you know, mm-hmm. definitely will regret rushing something. But I yeah, I've never really regretted taking time to like make something properly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you love the most about what you do? I I really like the um the prep process and I really love like finding visual inspiration for projects. Mm-hmm. Um I have like a giant like image bank that I look at and I like to just like get inspiration from different things like not just movies. Um and then honestly like my favorite part is like when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and you are you're screening it cuz that yeah. just feels the most rewarding where you see all of your hard work and the movie is done and then people will come up to you after and talk to you about it. And that just kind of feels like it makes the very difficult process like all worth it. Who inspires you? Contemporary Canadian filmmakers inspire me as a whole because I know a lot of people who have made some really great movies with low budgets and have like had a lot of great success. And I think because I'm like, Canadian and like going to be in the Canadian industry even though I do want to like have like a bigger reach or have my work have a bigger reach but you know like last year I was like at South by Southwest and like this my friend's movie my friend's feature was playing and you know it's just like I was kind of a surprise that it was like playing South by Southwest because I kind of imagined South by Southwest is more of like a commercial festival and she her name's Sophie Jarvis she made this like beautiful contemplative like 16 millimeter feature um and I was just like oh my god like look at her go like you know I go to the Canadian Screen Awards and I just see like the people that are nominated and like this movie The Maiden by Graham Foy like this like first feature that played like Venice Film Festival like that's so amazing like or Rice Boy Sleeps which again like um, Anthony Shim's feature which won a bunch of Canadian Screen Awards and so so just three movie. of many, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three of many, can like Canadian young filmmakers that are like telling all those stories, and and Sophie's movie is called Until Branches Bend. All those stories are like so specific in a way to those people, and and they were all actually like regional. They were all about or set in like two were set in BC, one was set in Calgary. So it's like these are to me like very Canadian stories. But when I watch them, I'm like. This is exactly what I want people to think of when they think of Canadian film. I want them to think of, like, you know, and then, like, you've seen Rice Boy Sleeps. Like, mm-hmm. not all Canadian stories are about, like, white people. So it's just, like, it 
when I look at what's coming out of Canada and like people's first features or second features and it's these like this new wave no one's been coining the group yet but like there is like a new wave of like Canadian filmmakers that are making really good films and honestly like in spite of a lot of hardship Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like we don't have the same budgets we're not competing at you know even just being a Canadian film it's almost like that's like a mark against you I would say in like festival worlds like we're not necessarily like like for example like Quebecois film or like a French film or other just other countries mm-hmm. there because it's like a different language maybe that's just seen as like international whereas like our films are international to the states but i think because people sometimes look at these english language films that are smaller than like hollywood films they don't give them the same amount of like credit or like validity or you know but if we could just look at them as like little indie masterpieces and and kind of look at them the same way we look at these gems coming from other countries or like coming from Quebec even. Um, I think that that's what we deserve and Mm -hmm. people are continuously proving me right with that. So I will for sure say that Canadian like feature filmmakers at the moment really inspire me. And there is those three movies is specifically to me. That's also what I think of when I think of Canadian film, like, these very like contemplative, like very well thought out, beautiful cinematography stories that are like quiet, that are very personal, almost very like auteur stories. And so like I do get why they're not necessarily commercial successes because they're not meant to be. Um, but that is like I would say I'm kind of following their path of like mm-hmm. what they're making. And I kind of like that to me. That's what's becoming the identity of the industry. You know, I really go out of my way to like support them and watch them. And because like I'm in the same world, I'm like, I'm going to be, you know, working with the same resources. So like that to me, it feels like a direct inspiration where it's like, yeah, I can look at these Hollywood movies and be like, oh, they had like a hundred million dollars. So like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yes, I could be inspired, but I'm like directly inspired by these like filmmakers who are like busting their butt to like make their first movies and actually coming out with something really amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of really good cinema coming out mm-hmm. of Canada in the last few yeah. years for sure. Yeah. Okay, final question. Mm. Uh, what do you hope or wish for the next generation of women in film? Oh, so many things. Um, I think just like being seen as leaders and not just being seen as leaders like I Mm -hmm. think that we still as not even in film but like people just struggle so hard with like what we were saying before just with the idea of women being in charge and there's so many things that come along with it my hope is that we can just like be the leaders that we are like often we're better leaders because we're more compassionate (laughs) sorry but Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and like in touch with our emotions and like in touch with other people's emotions and yeah I I would just actually want us to be able to do the job and be able to be ourselves not be afraid to cry because you're going to be thought of as weak not be afraid to like be stern because you're going to be thought of as a bitch like being able to like express all of human emotions that we have and be accepted as like people who can lead you know Mm -hmm. and not being not this you know overcoming this concept of like oh women have emotions therefore (laughs) that makes us bad leaders or periods or whatever the hell is has been the narrative (laughs) you know 
Um, and like, yes, let's let's actually just have us be, <laughs> let's have us be judged by our abilities, and you know, let's give us permission to not do well and still be given the same second chances that a lot of male directors are given. So, mm -hmm. I mean, not to like have a basic answer, but I guess I just want us to have the same opportunities and privileges and treatment and you know all of that but i would say like just the main thing is just like just the idea of like a woman as a leader i would like young women to grow up and be like women can be leaders i would like to see a, a female prime minister i'd like to see like more like i'd like to see that concept more you know it, there's still a disconnect for people and even though we think we've come so far. I think that the fact that there is still a disconnect that like women can be good leaders kind of shows us that we haven't, there's still, there's still more to go. Cause I yeah. think we have come some way, Yeah. <laughs> but there's some more change. And the fact that it's more changing of people's thoughts than it is more than anything else. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the hearts and minds change. Uh, but we can end on a positive note in saying that like, the fact that women are still trying in spite of this is actually like miraculous, you know? And like people are trying, succeeding, and that is changing things. Like, mm -hmm. you know, me being on sets and people, younger people on set being like, I can't believe you're the director and being like, those people, I might have been the the thing they needed to see, you know, mm -hmm. to like have the belief that they could do it. And I know that that's true because I had that exact thing. I had to see the specifically the two women that I shadowed do it because like literally I'll never forget when I was shadowing this one director, Mars Horodisky, an amazing director. And it was the the tech survey, and it was my first time even, like, seeing or knowing what that was. And I was like, oh, my God, she literally has to go up in front of, like, 30 men and just, like, explain what how she's going to be shooting in this space. Like, if I didn't see her do that, the cons – like, if I had just got a, a job and then showed up and, like, unfortunately, it is still <laughs> majority men, I would have, like, probably had a lot harder of a time. But because I had that memory of being like, look – she did it. I saw it with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I can do this and I can, like, command the space and, like, say this. Because basically you're saying this is the plan. This is what I plan to do. People are asking you questions. Sometimes you have to say you don't know and sometimes you do know. Sometimes people are challenging you and, and you have to just be like, no, this is what I want. Yeah. So anyways, I think that the fact that it is so bad um, and that <laughs> we're still doing it and, like, doing it well is is an inspirational story yeah <laughs> you know so hopefully people keep keep on keeping on because we're the ones making the change unfortunately and we need to keep pushing for it to happen otherwise nothing will happen yeah okay that's it Yay. Thank you so yeah much. thanks for having me oh my gosh it's so course. fun thank yeah, you good conversation yes they're always if you enjoyed this episode, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash theshore. You can also follow us on Instagram at theshorepod. That's at the.shore.pod.